The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Pilate said to Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own, or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king. Jesus answered, You say I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Kings, kings, kings. It seems like, with a few notable exceptions, most of the kings that have been part of our human history from so long ago until the present time have mostly been a pox on the human face. It seems like kings just one after another or after another. You know, whether they're called kings or emperors or Caesars or Führers or whatever they call themselves. They all have at least a couple of qualities in common, if you could call them qualities. They are all proud and arrogant. They're pompous. They think themselves to be on the top of the world. They think that they can easily and without any moral qualms walk over the people they're supposed to be serving and caring for. They could care less about the people who are beneath them because, of course, they're the top of the chain. They love to put gold crowns on their head and hold crystal orbs in their hands. And even more, they love to wield their armies so that they can go out and forage and dominate their neighbors and pillage and do whatever kings do when they go out on campaigns. It seems like they bring nothing but but trouble to us human beings. Kings, 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 all of them with a few notable exceptions. They're like a pox on the face of humanity. Even just in the short lifespan of Jesus, you think about the kings that he had to deal with. When he was just a baby, he was just newborn. You know, the king of Israel was the great Herod. He was the most miserable king you could imagine. 
He was a terrible human being in every conceivable way. He was jealous and he was mean-hearted and he was uh, voracious in his appetites and he loved to, loved to kill people, even his own family members, especially if he thought they might be a threat to his throne. He was a terrible, terrible, awful, miserable, terrible, miserable, awful human being from top to bottom. He's the one, if you remember, he's the one, if you remember, who, who in the story from the beginning of Matthew's gospel gets wind that maybe there's a new king of the Jews out there. You know, a little baby born in Bethlehem. So he sends out his troops to go and slaughter every six-year-old kid and, and younger, you know, just because there might be some pretender to his throne out there. My God, he was just a little baby. It's so incredible how awful he could be. On the other end of Jesus' life, you've got that awful Herod's son, Herod Jr., Herod Antipas, who's not even, I mean, you know, he pretends he's as great as his father, but like so many scions of great royal kings, you know, he's kind of just, he's got the power, he's got the name, he's got the crown, but he doesn't have the brains. You know, he's, 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 a, he's a weak link, he's a miserable human being as well. He's the one that Jesus ends up going to. You know, Pilate sends him up to Herod. And Herod has this little interview with him. And you can just tell that Herod could care less about this guy as a human being. There's no heart-to-heart -heart contact there at all. You know, Herod sees him and says, oh, cool, I get to see this guy who does miracles. You know, can I get close and see the kind of magic you do? How are your card tricks, Jesus? You know, he's the one who was memorialized as a caricature in the, in the, the, the musical from the 1970s, Jesus Christ Superstar. He, he, you know, kind of sways and starts singing and dancing with that great song, you know, Jesus Christ. So you're the great Jesus Christ, the great Jesus Christ. Show to me you're divine. Turn my water into wine. You know, that's the kind of awful person he is. And, and, and he could care less about whether Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is a prophet, doesn't matter to him. Send him back to Pilate, cut off his head. Could care less, a terrible human being. And then there's Pontius Pilate himself. You know, he's not a king, he's not the Caesar, but he might as well be as far as that corner of the world goes. You know, he has all the power and authority of Caesar invested in him as he overrules this little corner of the Roman Empire. And he's, he's a class act, isn't he, you know? <laughs> he's as cold as could be, you know, sitting on his throne, you know, judging Jesus and saying, what did you do in the big interview? And he has absolutely no interest in this. This is those silly Jews having their silly fights among themselves. And if it takes crucifying one of them to keep them happy, let them crucify him. You know, I'll wash my hands of it, but get rid of this guy. Take him off. Off with his head. You know. That's, that's Jesus' own experience with kings in his own short 33-year lifespan. So if this is the way kings are so much of the time in our human history, why would Pope Pius X in 1920-something declare a whole feast day just to honor Jesus dressed up as a king. Seems like the last image you'd want to impose on, on this Jesus that we know so well from the Gospels. 
You know, Jesus didn't wear a gold crown on his head encrusted with jewels. Jesus didn't run around with a crystal orb in his hand. Jesus didn't dress in royal vesture with ermine collars. Jesus didn't do any of that stuff. And he certainly didn't wage wars with his armies or walk across the heads of his poor underlings or use his, his disciples as minions to do his will, to feed him, to do this, to do that for him. That wasn't the kind of human being Jesus was. We all know that. So why, why declare him a king on this feast day? It's kind of hard to figure that out. But maybe, maybe what Pius X and the church was getting at was something a little bit different. Not to dress Jesus up as a king, but to hold him up in the face of this world's kings. In all of his humility, in all of his weakness, in all of his loving kindness and mercy and compassion and justice. And say to them, here, in your face kings, in your face emperors, in your face fuhrers, here's who you should be. The divine right of kings is this, not this silliness that you propagate for yourselves so that you can be powerful and pompous and great in front of the whole world. Who is this guy? who is naked before them, hanging on a cross, dead, who's been vilified and crucified, who has no sign of strength or power, who has no army, who has given his life to not ruling over anybody but walking with people along the dirty roads of Galilee and Judea. This guy who has preached the simple messages of peace and generosity and has healed the sick and forgiven the poor, the, the sinner. You know, this humble human being who is spit upon at the end of his life and reviled, falsely accused, and who never raises a hand but simply forgives and forgives and forgives right up to the very end, right up to his last breath. This is the unking. This is the anti-king. This is the king that the worldly kings of our earth are not, but what they should be. This is how you save the world. This is how you bring peace to the world. This is how you heal the world. This is the world's salvation. Not your armies, not your gold, not your crowns, not your arrogance, not your pomposity, not your palace intrigues. To the contrary, look, as Pilate himself says, behold the man. Look at him. See who it is and what it is and what his way is. That's the true way that you kings of this world should be following. That's the divine right of kings. Not your silliness, your pomposity, your military adventures your cruelty, your horror. And of course, it's, it's not just this world's kings that this powerful unking is proclaimed to on this feast. It's all of us. You know, all of us in one way or another have a little bit of kinginess in us. You know, whether we're a king or a prince or a prime minister, or a president, or a pontiff, or a pastor, or a parent, or a teacher, or a boss. You know, we all have roles in this world, in this life, 
in which we have responsibility for others. You know, we're all asked by Jesus, are, are you ruling over people? Or are you walking with them? Are you expecting to be served as if you're some great important potentate? Or are you serving? Are you holding back your, your goodness because of someone else's badness to you? you judging them, condemning them, or are you forgiving them and healing them? Are you giving of yourself to the very last drop of breath in your life in love? Or are you taking care of yourself first? That's, that's the message that the unking, the anti-king, the Christ proclaims to the kings of this world wherever they find themselves, even right here inside our own hearts. And it is this king, this unking, this anti-king, this godly king, whom we've come to love and to come to respect and come to follow and want to live like he lives. Because he is humble, because he is self-serving, self-giving, because he forgives without any limitation, because he even dies not only for us but with us and shows us the way to life. It is to him that this day we give honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.